everyone, episode 276 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is the Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, happy opener to the NFL season and three weeks left of the baseball season. How's it going? Is this where misery enjoys company? I believe so. I believe so. Are you, uh, especially for that for that initial piece I was talking about, the the football portion of it? We can actually all of it, really. I mean, my Tigers are in last. Lions blew a lead. Your uh, Washington Football Club looked terrible. And the Rays aren't in last, but uh, it hasn't. They're only good. a game out of last now, uh, yeah. and my college alma mater looks awful. Oh, yeah, so uh, does mine. So, uh, yes, University it of has Texas. been a freaking terrible, terrible, terrible sports weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's supposed to be the best time of the year. I mean, because we're both football and baseball fans, and it really can be a magical time, and our Rays and Tigers have done well at times when our CS, uh, CFU Knights and uh, – did I say that right? No, CSF Knights. UCF. UCF. God, what am I saying? I'm an idiot. Uh, Central Florida Knights and Texas Longhorns, when they're doing well, it's rare that the Redskins and the Lions are doing well at the same time. But we'll take two out of three. It, and that usually happens in these late, uh, more more recent Septembers, but uh, not this one. This is a this is a destructive December. So we'll stay away from the pigskin. Obviously, this is a fantasy baseball podcast. We are going to tour kind of the Sunday games as we like to do, and just. See what's we out. We should there. say it like Juan Uribe. We should say it like Juan Uribe did today. Did you see Juan Uribe's quote? I didn't. Juan Uribe basically told a writer, "I'm, I'm looking for it now because it, it's rather awesome." He walked into the clubhouse and and the, some of the guys on the TV are watching football and he's like, "More football? Oh bleep, effing bleep, <laughs> uneffing bleep, baseball. That's what I want to watch." Juan Uribe. That sounds Juan like Juan Uribe for president. That sounds close. To my girlfriend, except for that last part about wanting to watch baseball, I don't not I do not understand this puppy. The second a podcast starts, she's ready to get her toys and start squeaking them. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Charlotte. Anyway, it's all the pictures that you tweeted how she was just sleeping, how she was just sleeping, she didn't appreciate uh, during it. football today. So she, I figured she she, I figured she was watching the Bucks offense. Uh, had to have been, had to have been. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Rebate. And I, I like football. Obviously, I, you know, it's, it's not my number one. Baseball is my number one by leaps and bounds. It is the greatest, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy some pigskin from here from time to time, but not necessarily over baseball. Still had baseball on. We're not going to do this, Charlotte. Do not run away from me. <laughs> she just ran away from me. Um, let, let, let's just dive in. Let's let's talk some baseball here. Jason, it's something that Eno and I talked about um, this week that is a bit of a difficult thing is, is you know, ch- kind of giving advice for, for this end game. The end game is tough because any guys that you're going to talk about – Maybe there's just not enough time for them to do anything. You know, variance alone could could make you right or wrong uh, spectacularly, and, and regardless of the outcome, or excuse me, regardless of the process. So it is tough, but we'll bounce around from game to game, try to talk about some guys uh, that maybe we're interested in, and you have some techniques or 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 some strategies that you like to employ late in the season as well, and we'll hit on one of those later because uh, it has to do with closers, and we have to talk about a star closer who's whose star is really waning lately. But first, I want to jump over to the uh, the finale of that Yankees-Blue Jays series, where I won't say that the Yankees put a nail in the coffin, because I feel like any time uh, we start to get chesty about one thing or another being completed in sports, it just it, it goes the other way. That just seems to happen so often when you know people are calling right. games at halftime or, or saying at the All-Star break that Team X can't lose, etc., and it just usually goes sideways. So even with three and a half games, I refuse to do that about the Yankees. But it was a death blow, even though they took the game today. Fact is, though, the Yankees are still in line for a playoff series, or, or for a playoff game, at least, the wild card game. How confident do you feel in Tanaka if, if, if he's the guy for them? Seven scoreless with four hits, no walks, seven strikeouts, big outing. They needed it. They needed to salvage one, a four-game sweep. I right. mean, obviously it would have only been one more game different, but it just would have felt so much worse, and he steps up in a big way. He's basically made it to the finish line. He, he does have a DL stint uh, on on his ledger this year, but, but Masahiro Tanaka basically has made it to the finish line. A muted version, but a 340 ERA and .99 whip, that's pretty good. Where, where do you stand on Masahiro Tanaka after this second season when coming in it was, it was really touch and go and some folks were just outright avoiding him? 
That was me. I was outright avoiding him. Um, you know, I, I'm, I am surprised that he made it through without having a, without having a flare-up. Huh? When you look at some of these other guys, you never thought that would have flare-ups. Look at you, Alex Cobb. Uh, and, uh, you know, they go down, but Tanaka makes it all the way through. It really has been hit. And I know the numbers look good, but sometimes you watch him and you're like, huh? But for whatever reason, he's done really well against Toronto this year. And you would think that's a, a lineup that would give him trouble, but he's done really well against them. And I think it's just that, that fast ball splitter combination which also bodes well if you know the Yankees are going to be in this one game playoff you figure it's going to be against uh the Astros or the Rangers at this point no yeah yeah it, it certainly looks like that I know so in both of those I mean especially the Astros uh, Tanaka against the Astros matchup I know they hammered them earlier this year uh that was early in the year um but I think that matchup would be really good for him yeah, uh, no, yeah, for I, those of you guys that play fantasy postseason, uh, but I think that, and I think even the Rangers would be a good matchup for him. Uh, but I, I am surprised that he made it this far. I'm not, I am not, I don't regret not spending the money. I think he cost like thirteen, fourteen dollars on draft day. He was going for the same price as Alex Cobb, but eh, you know, whatever. I don't even regret the fourteen bucks I spent on Alex Cobb. To no, be honest I, with you, I don't think that anyone who passed on him should feel terrible about it by by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, a 340 ERA is not overwhelming. The .99 whip is really the bread and butter there because he doesn't have the strikeout per inning either for Tanaka. But but overall, those who took the plunge, I think they should be happy. So it's it's a situation where, where both sides can kind of feel okay because, I mean, you didn't miss out on the, the, the overwhelming spectacular season. He did not repeat last year. Uh, and I think that's kind of the, what the big worry would be if you were going to skip out on Tanaka. Obviously, right. that, that Blue Jays offense, uh, you know, is devastating, gets shut down today. But they've just been over the top. Troy Tulowitzki now looks like he's done for the year. And Pretty much. That's really unfortunate because you know what we're going to hear, you know. Duh. Who, who's surprised, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of stuff's going to come out. And I get it. It's, but but what stop a, colliding with teammates stay out of the way say, I was gonna say you know you're gonna joking he's gonna Jesus. get smoked with the uh with the injury prone stuff but man you know you, you can see him yelling for it and Kevin Pollard runs right into him it was a very bizarre play because it almost like something happened that like sent a, a charge through Tulowitzki's body because he did this weird fallback and th- tried it looked like he tried to throw the ball and just couldn't get his arm up all the way so it's probably some sort of stinger what is it a cracked shoulder blade or something is the official diagnosis yeah, so he's got a small crack in his shoulder blade <laughs> I mean you would think as you look at how that race is shaking out so the Yankees lose to Shara for the year yeah now now the Tulowitzki is out for the regular season uh yeah so it's just like it's like okay here's the baseball gods saying we still want to make this interesting so let's take and let's be honest it's not like Tulowitzki has been gangbusters for them yeah, exactly he's You're been not losing he's been an improvement back. over what they had but it's not like he's been huge for them uh and not like they don't have enough firepower to make up for the loss uh yeah for that and they've got that that three and a half game cushion right yes three and a half games after yes. today. three and a half game cushion so you know that that works out well in their favor, but you know, he's not the only guy, but Bryce Harper took, I think collided with someone today. He, uh, yeah, he collided with someone. He left the game today. Uh, Carlos Gomez is hurt. I mean, it's, this is the, the unfortunate time of year. I, I would hope that people's leagues have some rule flexibility because yes. nobody gets put in a stable list this That's time of year. That's part. really the, the crappy part. I know in the leagues, uh, the, my home leagues is like, we, you know, it doesn't matter if, if the guy's out, you know, he's out and you can go ahead and, and move him down, uh, that kind of thing. But they said, at least Bryce Harper will be fine. They do expect him to play, uh, uh, in the next series, maybe not tomorrow night, but you know, this was not a good week. If you were looking, and for, I mean, Harper and Tulowitzki, I mean, name-wise, it's up there, but production-wise, it's night and day. And same thing with Carlos Gomez. And, you know, Carlos Gomez, he's been there for the Astros, but in spirit, he's not the Carlos Gomez of old. No. Uh, and he's battling an intercostal strain, and then that's a problem. So really, you know, of all the injuries this week, and obviously the Harper one's huge, but if he only misses a day, that's fine. But all of them at this point of the season are huge because we only have – what 18 games left that's uh if that so it, that's really it i mean you just you're like great let me go find somebody and plug them in there and see what i can get for plate appearances because honestly most of you guys listening to the show right now are, are probably battling a counting category out right now it's really difficult at this point of the game unless it, it unless you're that that let's see the 10th hundred thousandth decimal point is close then you you can get a ratio but if, you know, 2.49 ERA and 2.59 ERA, you need oh, a couple yeah. of shutouts and 
and the other guy needs a couple of blowouts to make that gap close at this point. It's just really tough to close that gap. No, you need something substantial as that denominator grows on those rates. Yeah, stats. you need you need you need the other guy to have the Felix uh, Dubrant outing like he did on my Tout Wars team day. Oof. That was a bad gamble. Oof. And then yeah, and then you need then you need somebody you need a Rich Hill on your team. Speaking uh, of to have the kind uh, of outing Rich Hill let's did just today. go over to Rich Hill because that was insane. First off. I, I, it gave me a chance to remember back to when remember when Rich Hill was kind of a next big thing. Uh, he, he was, oh, yeah. he was, he was the on the rise. Yeah. For the Cubs, it looked like he was going to be just a, a real quality left-hander and, and it didn't come together at all. He had that, he had that big season, that, that only full season that he's had 32 starts as a 27 year old, 195 innings of a 392 ERA. That's back in 2007. So that's a lot better than a 392 is today. I know it, it you know, 392, we kind of like, Oh, waiver wire fodder in a mixed league, but uh, with a 120 whip, and 8.4 strikeouts per nine, 183 strikeouts in 195 innings. That was a big season for Hill. It looked like it was going to be the start of more. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Has a crazy outing today. And, uh, you know, seven one-hit innings against your Rays with 10 strikeouts, one walk. That game was crazy. Ended up being a 13-inning game, during which the Rays uh, accumulated a whopping three hits. Wow, that's three pretty hits. bad. That's Three. so bad in They've 13 it in. innings. <laughs> they failed it. In. And the, the, the unfortunate thing is Drew Smiley struck out 11 on the other side in six innings. It gets, it gets overlooked. So you would, you would think, I mean, here's the thing. The, the, the Hill thing's impressive because the Rays are really good against left-handed pitching. Exactly. That used to be a problem of theirs in the past, but they're good against lefties. And then you would have to, I'm guessing that the Red Sox had a bit of a party last night after uh, Ortiz with his 500th home run. I mean, to go 13, they didn't score until the 13th inning. Uh, then yeah, it's just one of these things like I'm guessing both of these clubs were a bit hung over because I, I watched this game. I, I am that much of a sycophant. I watched <laughs> this game on my computer while I had red zone on the t- TV. And I was just like, oh, my God, these you know, it looked like people were swinging oars at, at times. It just it's like, oh, so slow. But it was um, yeah, good for Smiley. Good for Hill. It, it's nice when guys can. Now, thing is. I doubt anyone had Hill in their lineup. No, anyone. Would you pick him up though? Sure, I pick him up if he's going to start. Okay. You know, if I need him, I I can get. If I can get, let's see, next week is going to be a single start week. He, I can get three, possibly four starts out of him. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you definitely could. This was a guy, like I said, who used to used to have some intrigue. This year at AAA, he's put up a 2.83 ERA in 54 innings with 61 strikeouts, but 30 walks. So the walks are the problem. Still not very hittable though. He's never been all that hittable. You're talking about 744 minor league innings of a 6.6 hits per nine. For whatever reason, uh, teams just uh, you know don't he can't really get squared up on Rich Hill. I think I'd take a gamble too. You know, we're talking deep leagues, AL only specifically, but also just anything you know with with some depth to it. Maybe take a shot here. Uh, obviously, that standout performance is really going to draw uh, folks' attention. Sure. But yeah, I don't think it's going to cost. He's going to get much. and he's going to get run support. I mean, look at Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly has oh, won what? Yeah, they're straight games, nine straight games, they're and that Boston offense, they're, 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 they're crushing the ball. So he's going to get run support. I'd honestly take a shot on any. I mean. I, we were at, I was a Joe Kelly advocate earlier in the year, and I just kind of kept him on my roster and then kept him in my lineup. And he's been great for me down the stretch here um, for that reason. But Boston's hitting, so I'd take anyone in that rotation and be like, yeah, sure. I mean, even look at people wanted to write Rick Porcello off. He's and since great. Porcello's come back from the disabled list, look what he's done. He's been really good. I've been, I've been impressed. Uh, for, big time former uh, Porcello backer. I you know jumped off the train earlier this year. I'll freely admit that because it looked god awful. Uh, I'm right back horrendous. on though. I'm right back on with with this with this imp- impressive work. He's now got four straight strong starts of seven plus innings in all of them. You know he's faced the uh, the White Sox at the White Sox. They're not a good offense. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say that's tough, but then the Rays, uh, excuse me, the Yankees and the Jays at home were tough. And then at the Rays, not that tough either. So too tough too not so tough. He's been great since returning has Porcello, uh, Rich Hill. We figure take a gamble on. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, Max Scherzer kind of getting back on track. It was against Miami. So, you know, it was in Miami too. So, uh, a good place for somebody dealing with homeritis to go get, to go get right. He's just mm-hmm. been so brutal at no point. Cause I know I want it, but at no point are you considering sitting him? Are you during this, no. this downturn here? 
I understand that the numbers are bad and it's been a relatively prolonged period for, for somebody like Scherzer. But yeah, I'm with you. At no chance, at no point could I consider sitting him because you know he can go out and dominate on any given outing. And sure, you could say that about any guy, but we're talking about the percentage chance that they will. And Scherzer right. still remains very high. So he goes out, throws eight scoreless, six strikeouts, just five hits, no walks. Big outing for him. That was nice to kind of get him back on track. Uh, first off, th- we'll, st- we'll step away from fantasy a little bit. Do you think that the Nats are going to catch the Mets? No. Okay, I didn't think so. I just asked. No, I think, I think Matt Williams is going to get canned. He should. I mean, the nine and a half back now, I guess that's a crazy question uh, because it would it would take some some total insanity. The Mets are just I mean, this ridiculous. is the, the crazy thing about this team. You go back and listen to what we said, what other people wrote. I mean, we were talking about what five 15 game winners on this team. Like how, you know, oh, yeah. it, it's not how it's not if they're going to win 100. It's going to be like how many games over 100 are they going to be? And then yeah. every possible thing save. Bryce Harper being amazing has gone wrong for them. Yep. Everything. They, they just Rendon didn't come back on time. Scherzer has had issues. Zimmerman's been awful. The uh, Storen breaks his hand punching a locker and he's done for the year now. It's oh, just like one thing happened? after another with this team. Oh yeah. He, he gave up the home run uh, and then he went in the locker room, punched the locker and broke his thumb. He's out for the year. That's no, I see. I knew that. And I, that, that, sort of scenario ran through my head. I literally said to myself, he probably gave up a key homer because I didn't know. And, and then that's how it, how it went for Storm. That's not surprising. Man, you know, we, we, we talk about guys as, as numbers and, as, you know, as, as stat-producing robots at times. There's a great example of how, how real the game is. Drew Storen's season went from amazing. I mean, he was, you know, one of the fantasy studs of the year because he didn't cost you too much in the closer right. ranks. And he was performing as arguably the best closer in all of baseball to this collapse because they go out and get Papelbon. See, this is kind of what I'm going back to. My, my point forever has been that Papelbon sucks, right? And I think I was just proven correctly, right? I think that's yes. rock solid evidence right there that Papelbon sucks. Uh, Always blame on your Papel team. Douche. Yeah, anytime you can, just blame him. Jason, let me tell you about a guy who's third base eligible. Charlotte, stop doing that. Chewing on a table leg. Um, third base eligible. Wait, actually, I don't think he's third base eligible anymore. He was coming into this year. So he's only going to be first base next year, which is a bummer because he's going to have to be a corner because he doesn't have enough power or hasn't displayed enough. But he's got 15 homers and 10 stolen bases with a 357 OBP. Can you foster a guess as to who that might be based on all those rambling clues of how he was third base eligible coming into the year, but he won't be next year? No. It's Carlos Santana. He stole his 10th base. No, I see the 10, yeah, the 10 steals kind of throws me off. Honestly, the 15 home runs throws me off as well. Well, I expected a lot more from him with, yeah. the, with the power. Yeah, that, that, that's the bummer. If he'd done last year's power with these 10 stolen bases, boy, it would, it would just look so much nicer. If he, if he was still up in the 20s, the way he's been three of the previous four seasons down to 15 right. this year. Um, and then the 233 average, it really makes him tough in standard roto. But unless you've got uh, OBP, I think that's when Santana becomes a much more intriguing play. That's always been the case, but if he's not going to hit over 20 into that mid-20s range, then it's then it's really tough. Yeah, he's always been a guy that's uh, it's been kind of a top 50 top 50 draft top 50 top 60 maybe. First base eligibility. I can't take him in. I can't take him that high any longer. I don't care how what kind of average he hits, and he's typically been good with uh, runs driven in because of the you know being in the lineup and taking advantage of the opportunities that I, that he's had. But no, I I don't want that kind of situation. No, I'm a huge Santana backer. Always have been, but he's he's going completely the wrong way on the defensive scale from catcher to third base to first base. And the production is not is actually going down with it as opposed to to increasing, which is exactly what you need to do as you slide down that scale. So that that's really tough for him. Uh, Tigers have been playing a little bit of Stephen Moya, big, huge dude, six seven, got a lot of holes in his swing, but can mash righties. Speculating on him uh, as a power option, what kind of league would you have to be in to do that? Um, let's see. I, I have him in my 10-team home dynasty league. Is that, that's AL or mixed? That's AL. Okay. I have him in that. He's been on the farm, and, and I have, I've left him on the farm all year. And he got off to a horrendous start. I mean, his numbers were just bad. 
bad. Uh, and then he got, then he kicked it up. Uh, and you look at, it's really tough to let a guy go. They hit 35 bombs last year in the minor leagues. And then when you watch him, he is a big dude. So and big. He, if you see some of his video, he's, he's hit some absolute tape measure bombs this year too um, in, in the minor leagues. So it's really tough to, to let that kind of power go. Um, but I don't, it's got to be a single league format. I there's just too much risk to him to try to take him in a uh, in a even in a 15 team mixed league. I think that's fair regarding Moya, but at, at this current point, he has not shown enough for you to take that risk. The 23 year old still looking to kind of find his footing. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he develops. I, I still have pretty high hopes for Moya as a power source because power just plays so well in in, in the new offensive environment that we're in. But it's probably going to be one of those guys who you know probably hits closer to 240 when he does make it quick. He needs to show he can do something against left-handers because uh, I know it's it's good to be on the strong side of the platoon, but he's not good mm-hmm. enough against righties. Like uh, you know, he's not going to hit. If it was a righties only and he hit 280 with good great pop, that's one thing. But I still think right. even against righties, he's going to hit 240, and that's that's the problem. But I do it's like a big Steven swing. Moya. It's a big swing. And and hey, if it doesn't work out, the Lions can can definitely get him uh, because he's <laughs> freaking massive. Let's jump over to that. We talked about the Mets and, and the Nats. Let's talk, talk, jump over to that Mets game. They win 10-7 in 10, scoring three in the ninth and three in the tenth. I mean, the team just it's magic right now, and it's awesome. If you're if you're a Mets fan, it's got to be great. It's, it's great if you're a baseball fan, obviously, unless you're you're a fan of a team that is directly opposed to the Mets. Um, but I love what they're doing. Uh, Michael Conforto hit his seventh homer. All the rookies getting the love this year. He's gone completely yep. under the radar. I know he, he was a late call-up. He's only played 40 games, and that's probably why. But give me some thoughts on, on this guy. I know Eno and I have spoken about him a bit. Uh, I think he was – I think last check he was a little skeptical on, on how much of this power is real. I think that was him. It was either him or Piscotti that, uh, that Eno said that of. But where do you currently stand? Because we're seeing a very nice – uh, 40 game snapshot here, but it is still only 124 at bats. So we have to be too careful not to overhype Conforto. For, you know, he may have, I wonder if he was down on Piscotti because Piscotti's a Stanford guy and with the Stanford swing and all. But th- when you look at the numbers with Piscotti, it's really tough because the ball really comes off Piscotti's bat well. I like what I've, when I've seen, when I've seen uh, Conforto play, I've probably seen four Mets games that he's been in. I liked what I've seen. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the play of that team has been so amazing. People want to give the MVP to a guy who's been in the National League all of six weeks. Oh, uh, yeah. And not only that, um, doesn't Conforto have more games with them than 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 Cespedes does? Maybe maybe I believe so. Maybe and, and, and does for, it, uh, yeah. MVP. Besides, no, it's Juan Uribe for his quote. Yes, you're right. Um, but and besides, it, it, it's 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 Bryce Harper unanimously, and any voter who doesn't give it to Bryce Harper is a moron. No, it, it really is. Uh, we don't even need. Well, to... If you want to give one, if you want to give one to Zach Greinke, I'll accept that. Sure, sure. But if any other offensive player gets one besides Bryce Harper, you're a moron. You really are. You're trying too hard. You're going too much on the oh, his team didn't make the playoffs sort of stuff, and. I can get that as a tiebreaker only, a tiebreaker only. There's nobody that's drawn the gap uh, to Harper and had their team in the playoffs. You know, he's got that big of a lead, um, you know, because even if you were hyped on like a Goldschmidt or Avado, same situation, not in the playoffs, not even really competing for either of those teams. So it's just too large a gap between Harper and McCutcheon, and McCutcheon's the next closest of a playoff team. Um, from from a war standpoint, five point six to eight point five, according it's to still, yeah, he's still three. It's he's still, still nowhere near three war. That's, that's still huge. That that's a huge gap. If it's eight, and even if you're not, even if you're not a war believer, you is your is your doubt really worth a three gap? That's the thing. If you're if you're not a war <laughs> believer and it's eight point five to eight, I've got no problem. I, I'm not going to listen to somebody if it was 8.5 to 8 say, oh, Harper's been the best. Go look at war. That doesn't stand up, 0.5. But when you're talking almost uh, three war, almost three full points there, no way. Uh, it's just not going to yeah. happen. It's Harper all the way. You're 100% right there. Uh, so, yeah, big game for, for Michael Kim. Well, big homer for him. He was only one for one for two with uh, with, with the homer and a walk. But he's he's been he's been great. The walks are a big piece that I really like out of Conforto. He's got a 371 OBP that's really added to his game as well. Uribe uh, did go one for five, but I think it counts as a five for five because of the quote. So check your local yes. fantasy league uh, rules. But Are you with it your commission? Should, yes, it should. Just present the quote and say I should get four more hits. 
Thank you very much. And then maybe you'll get a new uh, another point in batting average. Uh, I want to mention Todd Frazier quickly because he's actually kind of closing with a little bit of a bang, maybe saving his reputation with some of some of his fantasy owners because of the brutal second half that he'd been that he'd been going through. I mean, this one puts last year's to shame. And, uh, you know, we're going to hear all about the home run derby as 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 the reason for Frazier. I don't really know what it is. Maybe there is some some to it because just because it's, it hasn't been proven to automatically be a thing for everybody, I don't think we can rule out that for some guys it might do something. I just don't like to – unless they say something, I don't like to just throw it out there as that's why he's he's failing. But uh, only a 655 OPS for Frazier in the second half, but hit his eighth homer of the second half uh, today. So, like I said, closing with a bit of a bang here. He's got three homers in his last five games. Where do you stand on Frazier for next year now, given the the uber-elite first half and the the, – I can't even say mediocre. I don't think I was going to, but uh, I got to say bad, bad second half. It's. I mean, it's tough because – what is he at, 32 home runs now? Uh, Today was the 33rd, yes. 33rd. I mean, how can you, you still, you're still looking at the power from a position where there's still not a ton of it. Yeah. How do you not look at that guy Still 12 and say, how you gonna how are you going to let him get, he's still going to be just with the power. He's still going to be a top 60 guy. I don't care what the first and second half splits are. I, I totally agree with you, especially in a roto situation where, you know, you're just looking at the bottom line, uh, the, the makeup of it. I know, I know we like to make a lot of it because it's uh it's good copy, but I, I just don't know that there's too much to it for guys until they show it as a sustained thing more than two seasons. The big bummer for me with Frazier is that uh, he was running so much early and then it just it ground to a halt. He is six for seven in the first two months uh, and then just four for seven the next two months. And he's been and blame Eno. Blame Eno for that. Didn't Eno write the article about Frazier and how he was stealing bases based on technique and 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 uh and knowing pitchers, maybe Eno has got a somebody wrote bit. an article at Fangraphs. I thought it was Eno, so we can we can blame Eno on on this. But you know, with the first and second half split types of things, it, it goes back to a guy that we were talking about earlier. That used to be Carlos Santana's thing. He it was did. terrible in April and May, and then he would start heating up. And his first half, second half number, he would have these tremendous second halves, and that is just not predict. It's not. Uh, predictive of anything. He did it for a couple of years, and then last year was the opposite. I haven't looked into his splits this year, and it could be the same. You know, every year somebody pulls a year, you're like, where did that come from? I mean, go look at Logan Forsythe this year. We just having him. He's having in baseball wise, he's having a five war season this year. It's been he's an amazing got, year. A double digit home runs. I believe he's almost he's double digit steals now too. And, you know, everything's there. The batting average. And, and despite the success this year, he's been god awful as a run producer. He's been good as cr- in creating runs, like he gets on base and, and runs well. But you put him up with men on base and scoring position, he sucks. Do we you look be- at that? I mean, he could he could have a monster year this year if he could do if he was doing anything with runners in scoring position. Foresight could be a top twenty five fantasy player this year. Do do we need to just uh, be better as a as a fantasy community at seeing the season as a whole season as a as opposed to getting so hung up on when production comes? Like I yeah, I listen, we should. Get, but the problem is it's all it's all of us writing things up. I mean, you do magazine work, I do magazine yeah. work, our online work, and we've got to fill a word thing. So you're looking, okay, how can I break down Todd Frazier? Ooh, let's look at the trends. He sucked in the last two second halves. Let's talk about that. I think the best lesson this year, there were a lot of people out there saying, oh. Josh Donaldson, don't make so much hype of it because he struggles against right-handers. Look at his numbers against right-handers the last two years. Fart noise. I mean, look <laughs> at his numbers against right-handers this year. Killing it. So, I th- you know, we, we get stuck in this as, as, a, as a fantasy writers that we've got to come up with something in a small word count, and we can't throw in tables in there and try to look at so – we're stuck with our words, and then we've got to we've got to try to describe something. So, like you, oh, this guy's awesome. I love him. Okay, and oh, crap, I've got eighty more words I have to fill. So now I'm going to talk about. What, uh, let me go find a flaw. Okay, there's some splits. I'll talk about that flaw, uh, and then you know, then we'll get on a podcast and say, oh, don't even look at these splits. They're not predictive. They're not. Um, it's not continuous. You could suck one year and be awesome the next year. So I, I think we're guilty of it. I think all of us are guilty of it. Certainly, I'm not throwing stones. I'm I'm, I'm trying to get better on the overall you know and I think sometimes we we make our judgments about players pretty early in the season May maybe June and those carry over I remember getting obliterated when I had uh, Ian Kinsler over Jason Kipnis in one of the second base updates because Kinsler didn't have a home run yet well guess who's ahead 
of Jason Kipnis right now in the second base rankings. It's Ian, <laughs> it's Ian Kinsler, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I am bringing that one up because it makes me look better. But there's been other situations on the other side, and I can't think of one, or I would definitely take the heat on it, where you know I was feeling good about something in May, having one guy over another, only to to look completely different now because. And I know we have to make judgments. I'm not saying we just hold back. I know, and, so I know you, I know you, because you've been a fan of him. I know somewhere you had Jake Arrieta ranked over somebody else, and somebody probably gave you crap about ranking Jake Arrieta too high. Because he wasn't. Yeah, there was there was talk that there well, had to have been. Is he gonna, is he going to back up next year? And I'm like, well. I think he is. I mean, he opened my season uh, just outside the top 20. I want to say 22nd. And I had I had plenty of stud, you know, solid stud guys below him. And if you didn't believe in Jake Arrieta this year, you you know, you probably were like, what? why is he still so high? I loved his season last year. He's been excellent this year. And, you know, another guy I wish I'd have been a little bit higher on, too. And I, I felt pretty good about him. I think I said some some pretty positive things about him in the starting pitcher guide. But Dallas Keuchel. Could have afforded to oh, be yeah. even higher on him. I thought, you know, not I, not sub three, but I was like, you know, low threes. It's going to be great because he doesn't cost much. It's fantastic. But, man, I wish I'd have pumped him even higher. The guy's been amazing. Just an amazing, amazing season. So, I don't know. It's probably a, a, a bigger conversation about, you know, kind of being careful about being definitive one way or the other. Again, I know we have to do in-season rankings. We have to write things. But just don't get too hung up, like you said, on the split stuff and saying this guy can't do it. He hasn't done it. But if you believed in Josh Donaldson's skill, and by the way, speaking of good calls, that was somebody that you bet you were on from the jump, from that second half, that, that August, September uh, first little breakout that he had. You were on Josh Donaldson that next year when he exploded and obviously has now turned into a super, superstar. Um, by the Fastball way, he hit off of Severino yeah, on Saturday. was unbelievable. Oh, my God. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. Just, he's so amazing. I'm, I'm so impressed by Josh Donaldson. Really excited to see that offense in the, in the playoffs. I really hope they don't melt down. Um, I want to jump over to another game, though. I want to move over to the, to the Cubs-Phillies. Not because I'm dying to talk Phillies, but uh, I want to give a little bit more love to Chris Coughlin's season. He had another home run today, big four-hit game. Uh, he's been batting third against righties here. 257, 343, 457 game. Hit his 16th bomb. There's a, two of his other four hits were triples for his fourth and fifth. Just a huge season for him. Um you know, again, relative to to what Chris Coughlin does, 16 homers, 11 stolen bases. Obviously, it's a, a strong side platoon play, mm-hmm. and 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 he's going to be 31 next year. So, what do you do with this going into next year? Because I feel like these are the kinds of seasons that we uh, can maybe get a little too drunk on as a fantasy community. Maybe have bigger expectations next year and fart noise. It's not. This is going to end up being kind of the best, and he'll go back to his seven and seven kind of ways it, re- it reminds me of i know we talked about this it was uh when when deonor navarro was with the cubs and he hit the 13 home runs and like 250 at bats and we looked at it we're like wow even look at his home run to fly ball ratio it's insane it's the wrigley field effect i remember saying something to the line of he's gonna go somewhere next year and he's gonna get more playing time and he's not going to hit as many home runs and he didn't even with the increased playing time he didn't get anything extra done I think I remember uh, because that everything else normalized. Now, I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea what what Coughlin's home run to fly ball ratio is. Uh, my, I, I'm not. You. I'm sitting down on the floor right now. I'll tell, tell you. Me. It's 14 percent. Um, and so his career is about seven, right? His career's career's nine percent. Obviously, that's in, inflated by this year. But but prior to that, uh, his his career high had been nine percent last year, and then it was two, five, and then seven, seven, seven. So you know, never been a huge guy. This is a big spike, but. There are some skills differences to go with it. His fly balls have been on the incline. It is a career high 34% fly ball rate. So I mean that you know, and we're seeing him pull it more. Um, not as not a career high pull rate, but a second best career, uh, second best pull rate for Chris Coughlin's career. So we've seen some skill changes that do portend power. Uh, in addition to the spike in homer to fly ball rate. I just wonder, is he going to get the same playing time? Is he even going to get on this team? This team has got so many options. How interested are they going to be in the 31-year-old Coughlin? I, I know that Fowler is on the way out, but you know they've got, they've got talent for days. Is somebody like that even going to stick around with them? 
Sure, you keep them around. Uh, you keep them around. You use them in platoon situation, maybe like uh, the Christanorphia kind of thing. Perfect. Where you find them. Uh, but the thing is, well, he hits I mean, the, is, the long side of a platoon, though. Yeah, that's the that's the issue. Uh, so if he's not going to get the playing time, is he a free agent after this year? I'm no. assuming with his age, he is. He actually Ooh. has one. He's still more got another year of arp control. Yes. And what's he making? Uh, two two and a half mil this year. Two and a half. Oh God, that's keepable. Yeah, it's really keepable for that season. And the sneaky thing about Chris Coglin, 15 games at second base, um, you know, so, you, you know, depending on your league, I know general standard fantasy is 20 games, so probably not going to qualify. But more lenient leagues, and Yahoo for sure, he's going to be second base yeah. eligible. So that kind of changes ESPN's the dynamic. ESPN's only 15, so well, there I know go. Tout Wars is 15. Tout Wars is 15. Uh, so, yeah, that that changes diamond plus it helps him with the cubs too just an insurance policy pick up his bat somewhere mm-hmm. um you know he certainly he's had the skill set and it gets back to the again right not writing dudes off because coglin looked dead in the past and look and now you look at him you're like wow you know if you hadn't told me if you would have told me guess how many home runs coglin has this year i'd have been like i don't know seven eight <laughs> nope 16 <laughs> and and you know he did look dead. you're so right because after that rookie of the year season as a 24-year-old where he hit three. Well, after that first half, I remember his, well, yeah, his whole rookie true. year was the second half that's true. of that year. He was incredible in August and September. It was really just a, 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 a tight window of excellent work there for him. You're a million percent right. Here are Chris Coughlin's OPS totals by, by month in that, in that rookie year, 2009. 657, 770, 662, 1030, 950. He just exploded in the final two months, hitting 385 and 390, pumping his he average. Like 37 up. hits, and I want to say he had. I want to say he had back-to-back months of 30 plus hits. Even down the straight, it was it was crazy what bananas, he was doing. 47 and 53, almost. They are, almost yeah, 50 I know it was not. I know it was crazy totals. Yeah, so just obscene work total. for him. And then, so so consider that. And then the next four seasons combined, not all full seasons. In fact, none of them were. 400 was the most played appearances he got. 105 was the fewest. He, he amassed 1,017 played appearances of 659 OPS with 12 bombs total um, in those next four seasons. So it was easy to write him off. Those were his mid-20s. That was his prime. Well, gets rejuvenated last year with the, with the Cubs, goes nine uh, nine homers, seven steals with a 804 OPS. And then this year, there's a power explosion, just a huge season. If he does stick in this situation and it's looking like he can get some, some decent playing time, I think he'll be a nice low-dollar uh, NL-only filler, you know, c- kind of one of those guys that you're getting in the middle, in the middle rounds. Uh, or, or for a couple bucks at the auction, who you're really going mm-hmm. to enjoy, even if he falls back to the to the nine homers and seven stolen bases with a 280 average uh, that he had in 2014. But I, I like Coughlin. I want to I want to give him some love on this season because a uh, huge bounce back and and like I said, the power has some legitimacy to it. I think. Uh, he's talk- had he's had the pop in the past, and again, the ballpark is always going to play in his favor. It really, uh, it really is. It really helps you. Again, we saw what it did for Navarro, who looked horrendous going there, uh, and then he had a rejuvenation there. Um, and it's going to play in his favor, and the multi-position eligibility is going to help too. How great is that team just going to continue to get then too? Those young guys who are already be sick. overwhelmingly talented, they've got a ballpark that can help them. It could get really, really sick there. Uh, another kind of a hat tip uh, to a guy, Chris Davis hit his 20th, Chris with a K. So that's nice. Uh, you know, that's solid because you got to get something there. I think f- folks were expecting more than a 232, 315, 474 line. So to at least get 20 homers is nice. Well, do you think this is just who he is uh, as opposed to something more there for Chris Davis with a K? Uh, or do you think he could be upper 20s, maybe low 30s? Uh, in something that isn't just a breakout season? Like, yes, he could spike there, but could he live there? Um, no, I think he is who he is. We, we know he's got the pop. We know he's got the pop. Um, we know he's never going to hit higher. He's not going to hit for a strong average. I mean, he is who he is. He's a two category player. 
Two yeah. and a half. Yeah, and listen, with that kind of pop though, I think it keeps him mixed league relevant too. Even as a, as a last outfielder, if you're obviously if you're using five outfielders, I know I think head to head leagues use only three outfielders. That changes it, but but with five outfielders, I think uh, even in a twelve team mix or twenty to twenty five homers, because he only played one hundred one games too, he missed some time. So I guess we are talking about twenty five homer kind of pace. Um, you know, ugly batting average though, two thirty three for Chris Davis. That that's that's no good. Um, Francisco Liriano is not uh, is who he hit the home run off of. Excuse me, had has had a disastrous second half. Jason, I, I guess we can't be too surprised because uh, obviously he's had issues in the past of of just holding up and actually pitching all season. This is more seemingly an endurance situation, and he's not outright hurt enough to maybe go into the, the disabled list. But is this just uh, Francisco Liriano can't hold up for 200 innings? Is that is that how you see it? Yes, uh, he's never really had the durability for it. I mean, I love I've loved this guy. I like what he pitched. And Jeff Passer wrote a great article about him about five, six weeks ago. Um, you know, basically calling his change the most unhittable pitch in baseball. I believe the title of it was. Nice. Uh, and it, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't throw strikes, but he gets so many guys a swing at him. Uh, his pitches, but he's just not a durable dude. He's really not. We're looking at a third straight year of right around 160. Innings. He's actually on the rise a little bit every year from 134 to 157 to 161 to 162 to 165 this year. But the degradation in, in performance this this year from first half to second half has been substantial. And I think, you know, with hitters, we talked earlier, probably don't want to get too, too locked in on it. With pitchers, it's totally different, I think. I think if you see somebody continually having – uh, you know, worse second halves, then you can start to, to come up with a situ- situation and say they can't make it the full year. Like Jesse Chavez, he kind of emulated his season last year, got off to a good start for the A's, looked good, looked like a solid, you know, kind of mid or back rotation um, option depending on your league size. And then he's, he's breaking down. He can't make it to the finish line. Francisco Liriano is obviously a couple levels better than Jesse Chavez, but the same scenario keeps to be, keeps to be seems to keep popping up. Excuse me, can't talk tonight. Uh, Two ninety eight <laughs> in the first half, three ninety six in the second half before today's outing. That that's just with uh, through fifty innings, and he added two point three innings of garbage today with four runs. Excuse me, five runs, four of them earned for Liriano. So I do think that if you if you're going to keep going to the Liriano train. You should try to make plans to dump him at a peak in in June or early July. I think that might actually be the smarter thing to do because uh, he has a lot of injury history in his past too. So even though he didn't get injured necessarily this year uh, and and miss a whole bunch of time, you do have to be careful. I mean, I know he had reverse last year. First half was bad. Second half was good. But for me with Liriano – my concern is that I can't I can't rely on him for 200 200 good innings. So if I get a good first half from him, I'm, I got to be ready to move him. Yeah, I think I think we talked preseason with him, and basically he's a 160 inning guy at his best, and that's the that's the risk you take with him. Why can't Chris Sale beat the Twins? And that's actually not true. It's unbelievable. But it is, uh, it's truly how you look at his numbers. It's like if you were to take the twin starts out of his line. Honestly, when I've played when I've played daily fantasy, if I see Sale pitching, the only thing I check for is to see if he's playing the Twins. Because if if he is, you don't really. I mean, he, it hasn't been all bad against the Twins this year. He does have one and mostly bad gem against them. Yeah, he opened against them. His 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 first start of the season was six innings, one run. But since then, it's been a nightmare. Even with three 10K games, it's still been extremely rough. He's given up four, five, three, eight, and then six today. Two of those inning or two of those games were three inning outings. They have just had his number this year. I mean, like I said, the strikeouts are still there because he'll strike out anybody anytime, but they're knocking the ball around. What is it? Just a familiarity thing? I, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, there's nothing. If it's a film, if it was the familiarity thing, I could never say that damn word. Uh, you know why? Why isn't? You know, why don't the Indians hit him better? Why don't? Especially the Royals. Why don't the Royals do better against him? Mm-hmm. It's just like of all things, if you were to tell 
and who's the team that uh, Chris Sale's the highest career ERA against? The Twins would probably be 15th on that list. But having paid attention a couple of times, I'm like, wow, every time he, he's always more hits than innings pitched. Uh, you know, the strikeouts just aren't there. And for whatever reason, they pick him up well and nobody else in baseball does. No, I mean, it's crazy. It has been crazy how much they put a licking on, on him this year takes a lot to 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 really get to him uh because sale you know doesn't get beat up by many teams his actual worst era by team uh actually probably after this outing it might be the twins but but currently it's actually your raise in 39 innings a 462 era only uh six they beat starts. him twice this year Okay, well, they, they beat him go. twice this year. And, and think of it, the first time they faced him was, the, was a game that I happened to be at. It was Matt Moore versus Sale on Memorial Day, and Sale struck out 15. It was the dumbest. It was one of these lineups wait, where, wait, like, wait. the Rays are like, uh, we're going to give you something. This was a game like they had Rich Thompson and they're playing outfield. It was the dumbest. You looked at it on paper, and I was bringing my dad to the game, and I'm like, oh my God, this game's going to suck. And sure enough, it did. Wasn't it? Um, what. Didn't they square off on Memorial Day a couple of years ago, too, and, and, and have like an epic game? Matt, is that the one you're talking about, or are you talking about this year? It was No, no, it was a couple of years ago. Okay, yeah. It was back when Matt Moore was good. Uh, yes. And it was, yeah, Matt Moore did well, but it gave up a three-run bomb to yes. Adam Dunn yes, in yes, that yes, game. Yes. But, I mean, they were just trading strikeout for strikeout, and then Sale kept going, and then Moore walked. I think walked two and left something up and— Dunn hit about 470. Uh, it was just a miss. So I was sitting right behind the third base dugout going, oh, my God. <laughs> but it was just one of these games. You saw it on paper. You're like, man, it's like back then if I if I was – if I don't even think daily fantasy was a thing back then. I would have been like whatever the price is, 15000 No, done. I don't think it was. Uh, I, mean, I would have been putting it in there. Boom. <laughs> oh, man. I mean – or the, the, the one where you can – can can do it uh, as they're batting phantom mana. I believe you told me about that phantom last mana. year. By the oh, way, I love that. Thing. I just got yeah. I just got on that. It's so fun to try to do. It's it do they do? I'm curious. Do they do football? Because I'd be. I, I don't think know. If they're they, trying to come up with a way to do it. I think they. It would be kind of crazy. But yeah, there's a couple of times where baseball. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally doing this. Well, yeah, because you're like, there. oh, this guy's gonna hit a bomb. Like when you're watching a game, you have such a good feel. You know, you're not always gonna get it right, but you're like, oh man, this guy's getting trounced. Or last this- year, last year I had a 15 run inning on that. That's insane. <laughs> that's so good. The highest I've seen is a 14 run game, and he needed three innings for that's that's insane. I was that's killing insane. on there. It's just all these things where I just kept a guy, get a guy, get a guy, and it was working out well. That that that's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I recommend people check it out if you haven't. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. If you like DFS, if you like fantasy baseball, obviously if you like fantasy baseball, you're listening to this. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Fana Mana F A N A M A N A. I think that's right. Uh, anyway, let's talk uh, Angels Astros. Astros Oof. needed one. They needed one. It was stupid, and insane. They went off on Houston Street in the ninth. Down three zero. Wait, what? Facing a sweep. Uh, in this one, uh, it, it would have been, you know, three, two, three, two was the score of the first two games. If they, if they had stopped at two, they were looking at three straight, three, two games, but they busted right through five runs, including two home runs, one from Tucker, one from Jed Lowry as a pinch hit three run Homer to, well, the to Jed Lowry one was awesome because it was one row into the, it was one row into the seats and the only reason it wasn't caught is because Cole, Cal- Cole Calhoun went and positioned himself up he's like looking looking for it looking for it and he got up right against the wall and it's like he's trying to jump and and the padding of the wall is holding him like down held him because yeah. he got that close so he couldn't wow. he's trying to jump but he couldn't jump and it went right over his glove if he had just stayed back an inch he could have gone right up and got that and, and robbed it uh but you know our, Amanda said basically that was like a Hail Mary she goes for all you right. fools watching football all the Astros just threw a Hail Mary, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, well, because that was their second pinch hit homer, too. The Tucker one was a pinch hit homer. And then and then they flipped the lineup there, Springer, Altuve, Correa, and then boom, Lowry with, with a three-run bomb. That's that's huge. They needed that. They needed something like that badly. They needed a, a dramatic fashion win, too, I think. I, I, yeah, especially because they're going to Texas to play the Rangers for four games now. And it's going to be awesome. One and a half game lead over the Rangers, and they're playing for four. That's going to be a prime series. I'm very excited to see that one. I'm really excited about the Astros. I hope they hold on. It's been a great season. Andrew Heaney pitched well, though. Five scoreless. What have you made of his season? Because I've been pretty impressed after you know a pretty big flop last year. Didn't really get to do anything with the Marlins. Blue chip prospect. Not supposed to be an ace, but supposed to be very good. How have you seen his season so far uh, through 89 innings? 
I've only seen two of his games this year. I liked the first one, and I I liked it better than what I saw the second time, uh, second time around. But uh, I think at his peak, a, a good number three. That's, I think is where he, where he's at. He just it doesn't right now. When you look at his strikeout rate, it's still in the mid sixes, and that holds. That's going to hold him back until that gets better. Last thing here before we go. He hasn't pitched yet today because we don't know if he's going to. He's in the night game. But you're telling me some interesting things about Greg Holland offline, and uh, I'm a little bit concerned. He's had an interesting year all year. I think it's gone. Actually, I know it's gone unnoticed that he hasn't been uh, as sharp as you would expect because they've been so great and because they have so much backup for him. But Greg Holland has a 364 ERA. He has barely a 2.0 strikeout to walk ratio with five strikeout, excuse me, five walks per nine right now in his 42 innings. And the velo is going way down. That's what you were informing me about. Are you concerned about him? And this also parlays into, uh, uh, into your strategy that you like to employ late in the season about maybe picking up potential closers going to be tough to do with this team specifically but talk to us about holland and then expound on your your strategy there well mike petriello um was had put out a, a pitch velocity graph on twitter tonight and it shows that at peak velocity this year for holland and this is early august he was at 96 his current velocity is just uh, just under 91 on his four seam fastball and his spin rate on that was up at about 2375 and now it's down to 2200 so he's losing a lot of life on that pitch i mean that's a almost that's a over a 5 mile an hour drop wow it, that's injury i mean that's yes. you look at that delivery you like you know, how is it held? How is that delivery held up this long? Uh, and luckily for them, they've got an awesome insurance policy in Wade Davis. And, and you know, that's a closer kind of thing. If Even in a 12 team mixed league, Wade Davis is probably still on somebody's roster just from earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. But these are the, you know, these are the types of things this type of year. If your league allows it, I, I am a big proponent of just picking up relievers that you see that are doing good. And if something happens where, you know, like, I'll give you an example. I didn't put him in the article that I wrote at Rotowire, but Jeremy Jefferson in Milwaukee, looking good this year. The problem is Francisco Rodriguez is under contract for one more year with Milwaukee. With Milwaukee, now maybe they trade him in the offseason to a team that you know, like uh, Detroit, you know, looking for a closer and doesn't want to commit to a long-term deal with one. So there's there's K Rod out there for one year. He so he's attractive on the trade market. And maybe Milwaukee's like, look, if we can flip our closer and get something of value, then we'll just throw Jefferson there because you've got 2016 is not going to be a year where we're competing for the AL for the AL for the NL Central. Um, yeah, those kind of things. So I mentioned with Alex Colomay with the Rays, he's been phenomenal as a relief pitcher. His overall numbers still look crappy, but if you look at what he's done as a reliever, everything is playing up. Velocity, swings and misses, strikeout rate, all of it looks much better as a reliever. You've got Brad Boxberger has not looked good this year. He's had a lot of issues. Uh, Jake McGee is getting more expensive. So you've got Boxberger, who's not going to, who's a Boris client, who's not going to sign any kind of deal. So he's going to go to arbitration every year. McGee's going to go to arbitration. I figure one of those guys is getting traded this offseason. So there's a chance that Colomay could get it. But I'm all for just grabbing relievers that are showing, that show a skill set. You're like, hey, you know what? Let me try this one out because you don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. And the worst thing that can happen is. You cut him, yeah, you know, before that he's not part of your keeper list. But if something happens on the roster shakeup, and all of a sudden he's there getting saves, then it works out well for you. Like Luke Gregerson last year, that kind of thing. Everybody sat on Gregerson for years, and it was like, oh, this guy's never going to get saves, and then he ends up getting saves this year. Big time. And, you know, those kind of things. Go, those kinds of things can happen for you. So. That's really uh, one of the things I like to do in September is just you know, if I've got if, if especially if my saves are good, uh, I can take that and look at it and go uh, and say, I'm going to bench that guy. And I'm just going to start picking up some middle relievers um, that I think might have a shot at closing next year. And if, if your league rules are cheap, maybe if, even if it's only five bucks or you know, I've, I've seen some leagues where if you pick up somebody in September, they automatically get a ten dollar salary. But think about it. If you pick up a middle reliever and he gets that ten dollar salary and he gets the closing job he's going to go for ten dollars in draft anyhow exactly yeah and, and, and if, you it's, could if find it's a the keeper league he's going for more than 10 yeah he's going for more than 10 so it's just like go ahead and do it. what do you have to lose besides a two dollar transaction fee yep but don't don't bet on the next ken giles 
unless the path is cleared. We we learned that one the hard way. That, that, yeah, that was that's tough. not our fault. They finally fired the guy who was truly responsible for that, not us. Get, and guess guess who caused the problems? It all comes back yeah. around. Jonathan Pavelbon. Always yes. causing problems. Always, always, always. But you know, some of the game, some of the names I mentioned in the piece, I mentioned Colin, maybe, um, you know, Carter Caps. As long as Love MLB Caps. lets him keep that crazy delivery, um, Hunter Strickland, because Santiago Castilla is in the final year of his deal, mm-hmm. and Hunter Strickland uh, has looked good, doesn't have splits right now. Um, swing and miss, Avilo, all the pieces are there for Hunter Strickland uh, to get the opportunity. Eno's pumped He's, him up nicely too. All that stuff. I mean, when you when people think of Hunter Strickland, they think of what the Royals did to him in the postseason. So oh, like, and, and Harper too. Uh, His postseason was a nightmare. He gave up like five million homers, and I get it. That's why people are yes. scared. He gave up six homers in about uh, seven or eight innings across all three series. I think he gave up at least one homer in all three of the series. So I get it. Yes. But go look what he's done this year. He's given up three homers all year with tons of strikeouts, yep. no walks, and all of them have been with nobody on base. The three perfect. homers have all been solo shots. He's perfect for this, I think. I think he's the prime guy, honestly, too, because he's on a good team that, you know, and they're going to win the World Series next year, obviously. So that's another thing if you want to get the next closer of, of, the, oh, of, the, next, of the 2016 World Series title, that's Hunter Strickland. So, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. That's a great name. Do you have any more? I mentioned Zach Putnam with the White Sox only oh, nice. because Robertson was on. He was on the trade block yeah. uh, this, this year. So, and he's going to have uh, three more years of a pretty decent deal. Maybe the White Sox flip him. Here's one that I, I pure speculation on, and because he said he wants to go back in the rotation. But Daniel Hudson, I love that. He, one. you know, he's fragile as hell. He's he had two Tommy John surgeries. He wants to go back in the rotation. Screw that. No, done. But the velocity right now, he's throwing harder than he did when he was healthy. Oh yeah, no, he's been he's back a, there, he's and yeah, he's given up some home runs. He's given up some home runs. He's had some walks, but again, coming off two Tommy John surgeries, the command is going to be the last thing that comes back. Mm-hmm. I would be, I would like to see this guy get the chance as as the closer role. And I think the same could be said for us, Rodas Vizcaino with Atlanta. Yes, you know they've got who knows, and the, basically Hudson and Vizcaino the same story. A lot of velocity, lots of surgeries, and. You know, and neither team, I think, is I mean, Arizona's done well for themselves this year, sure. uh, despite despite uh, some things they've done, despite their leadership. And then, yeah. And then I, I'm I honestly I'm not going to give up on the Brett Cecil wagon. If you look at Brett Cecil's numbers this year compared to last year, a lot of the stuff that made him attractive last year is still there this year. His strikeout rate is nearly 30 percent this year. He's cut, he's he's cut his walk rate nearly in half from last year. Ground ball rate is still there, and despite all of his issues early on in the season, Brett Cecil has a 2.91 ERA and a 2.91 FIP going nice. into Sunday. Hey, he's been this year. I'm still on the Brett Cecil wagon. Saves haven't been there. I'm right there with you because this is actually a, a better than last season. The ERA is a, a touch higher, but everything else is better. The whip is markedly lower for Cecil. It might have to come somewhere else. He has one more year of our uh, left, so maybe they you know, say, listen, we're going to stick with Osuna. We're not going to put him back in the rotation. We'll see how that goes. But we, we don't want to go with him. But again, you talked about the Tigers needing somebody. They're not the only ones, but they could maybe be a fit for somebody like a Cecil. could be age 29 next year. I agree with you. That's still a good speculation. Uh, again, if, if you've got some spots to play with and you and say, especially if you're one of those leagues where saves are really tough anyway, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. Man, Jonathan Scope having a night already, two for two with two bombs. Love Jonathan Oof. Scope. I was so mad when he had when he got that long term injury on that takeout slide because I cut him in every league I had him because I couldn't hang on. I just couldn't. Right. It was too long, and he's come back, and he's been fantastic, and I wasn't able to get him on the rescoop. Uh, but I'm gonna be, oh, I'm gonna be all over that guy next year. There's no doubt about that, Jonathan Scope. But anyway, we're gonna end, we're gonna end uh, there, and get going. If Greg Holland does get in in this game, it wouldn't likely be a safe situation just yet. It's five to two Baltimore. But if he does, keep an eye on that uh, on that velocity reading because I agree with you. I think there is some trouble there, and. If you are speculating for saves and, and Davis maybe is available, very doubtful. I agree with I agree with Jason there. Very unlikely, but it gets late in the season. People aren't always paying attention, and if he's out there and you're in a really tight race for saves, it could be Wade Davis who closes the last handful of games for the for the Royals and not Greg Holland because then it could be setting up for Davis to be the guy 
in the final, uh, in, in the playoffs as well. It's sixty-three percent. And, and they may just sit. They may sit Holland and say, okay, let's rest him. Let's see if a couple of weeks rest does anything for for the sh- if it's a shoulder, yep. which I'm assuming because when your velocity drops, it's shoulder. Uh, so yeah, maybe a couple of weeks rest, see what that does for him. So oh, in that point. case, maybe it is maybe it is him picking up saves because Lord knows they're going to wrap up that division. I think sometime this weekend. Uh, yeah, very very. I mean, it's. They, they ran away with it. I couldn't have been more wrong on, on the Royals. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. I had them fourth in the division. I thought the bullpen was going to come back to earth. Same. Didn't see any of it. They've been amazing. They've been great. I was wrong. Okay. Let's end on that. Jason, we'll be back in a week to talk more baseball uh, and continue watching our depressing teams. I was right there with you, by the way. You mentioned that you watched the Rays while having Red Zone on. Had the Tigers doubleheader on the iPad while I watched uh, while I watched some football. And, you know, it was a nightmare even though it looks like they're going to get a split at least. But uh, I honestly don't – you know, I, I want them to win every time I sit down to watch just because I'd yeah. rather watch my favorite team win. But when they lose, it's like, meh, okay. That's a bummer. I mean, it's a lost season. Uh, All right, Jason, have a great week. I know you're going to Indy. Maybe smack some sense into Andrew Luck uh, to get my fantasy team back on track. But until then, we will talk next week. All right, man.